This month, of course, is our month of consecration, and we've been taking Tuesday nights as well to uh, go into that. And so tonight we're going to go into another aspect of consecration. Consecration and sanctification uh, leads to holiness. Amen. Leads to holiness. We can't make ourselves be holy. Amen. But we can't separate ourselves and we can, we can entertain the presence of God. We can put ourselves in a position where we can, uh, approach God. Amen. Because he said if we draw near to him, he would draw near to us. So tonight we're going to be looking at pursuing holiness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, it says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That means it's a, it's a progression. Amen. You know, holiness is one of those things I, I believe that is like humility. You can't call yourself that uh, absolutely because that's something that really only God can attribute to us. Amen. But we should aspire for that. And we do that by consecration and sanctification. Let's look at that in the Old Testament from the Hebrew, what that meant. The word in the Hebrew for holiness or for holy is Kodesh. And in Leviticus 11, 4, 4, God says, Jehovah says, For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves. Remember, when you sanctify yourself, then you can be holy. And ye shall be holy, for I am holy. What God was saying, listen, if you want a relationship with me, the only way you're going to do that is if you can approach me in holiness, in purification. I can't come near to you if you're defiled because you'll die. Ye shall be holy for I am holy. Neither defile, neither shall ye defile yourself with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. God gave the Jews in the Old Testament very strict dietary laws. And this was given so as to give them a sense of what was holy and what was profane. That is common. That is, by profane it means something that is so common that you don't even think about it, right? You may be walking along the street and you see a scent on the on the sidewalk and it may be dirty and all and you may think twice do i really want to pick that up now if it was a hundred dollar bill you probably won't think too much about whether you want to pick it up but you know you understand a cent a one cent uh you know penny is common it's profane it's you can find them all over and it's not worth much god wants us to be worth a lot in fact he wants us to be invaluable in his sight Psalms 29, 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Holiness to God is something that beautifies. Holiness to God is something that pleases him. Amen? And so we're going to look at that tonight. And there are steps. It's a progression. We, we don't become holy uh, or, or uh, get that attribute uh, suddenly. It's something that we we are going to. It's a journey. It's like a destination. Amen. He says, he shall therefore sanctify. That means separate yourself and you shall be holy. For I am holy. Neither shall he defile yourself with any manner of creeping thing. They were certain animals they were not to eat. Certain um, things they were not to mix together. And it wasn't that the creatures were so evil, I believe. It was that God was trying to instill in their in their thinking that there were lines. Today, people don't like lines. They don't like being told, this is wrong and this is right. People don't like being told that, right? You have to, you have to be, uh, thinking how you're gonna say stuff to some people, right? So that they don't, uh, get an offense. But God was trying to train the Israelites, the Jews, so that they understood that there were lines. When they came up to Mount Sinai, God told Moses, put a line. And they shouldn't cross that line because if they do, they're going to die. And you see, sometimes the line is very clear. They could see the mountain. They could see the fire. They could see, hear the earthquake. They could hear the voice. But sometimes because the lines sometimes are not uh, made bright, people are not afraid. Amen. And we tempt God. So tonight we want to make a bright line so that we can look at where God has said, you shouldn't do this. This is wrong. Amen. So the journey to holiness, of course, begins with repentance, right? 
repentance. Grace, that's God's unmerited favor, provides for forgiveness, but it's only the start, right? You don't have to work for God's forgiveness. The Bible says his, his grace is a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. And, but that only comes about by the first step, which is godly sorrow. Amen. You ever been sorry for something where you hurt somebody? And you, you realize you hurt them? Amen. And there's a sorrow about it. If you love that person and you realize you've hurt them, there should be a sorrow. And it's godly sorrow, the scripture says, that brings about repentance. So grace provides for the forgiveness. Godly sorrow provides for the repentance. And then repentance allows us to receive that forgiveness. You know, um, I'm sorry, Sister Diane, I have to use your example again. I'm sorry. <laughs> she, she asked me a question today about the judgment. Um, uh, in the scripture it says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And uh, what does that mean? And I was explaining to her that that is not a judgment of condemnation. That is a judgment of Prize giving, that is a reward. Amen. So repentance allows us to receive God's forgiveness. It's not that God is not gracious or loving, but you do have to ask. He will never force his way into your life. He says, behold, I stand at the door and... No, he didn't say, behold, I'm going to beat it down. I'm going to come into your life. No, God is a gentleman. He wants to be invited in. In fact, the most valuable thing to God... The most valuable thing to God is your free love that you give to him. The fact that you freely choose to love him is so valuable to God. You know why? Because even as God, he can't make you love him. If we understood how valuable that was to God and how pleasing it is when we truly love God and not just say it, but demonstrate it in our actions. Because when you love someone, you'll do a lot of stupid things, won't you? You know, when you're dating, you'll go to Tupperware parties. And you hate Tupperware parties. You don't care. Right? She'll watch the football game. And she hates football. See, when you're in love, (laughs) when you're in love, it will change your reaction. Amen. So grace provides for the forgiveness. Godly sorrow for brings repentance. And then repentance allows us to receive that forgiveness. This is on the journey to holiness. As I read on Sunday, Acts 2.37, which you're all so familiar with that scripture. See, there was something that bothered their conscience. As I said, after the atmosphere was changed, they were able to receive the word. In another scripture, it said they received the word gladly. Gladly. Even, you know, I love good preaching, even when it's hitting me. I go, ouch, ooh, ooh. <laughs> ooh, wow. Ooh. I can feel it, but I know it's the truth. Amen. I love when it's good preaching, solid preaching, and it's, and it's hitting me because that's what it's for. Amen. It's to, it's to knock off the rough edges. When they dig up a diamond, it doesn't look anything like a diamond. Did you know that? In fact, you may just think it's a piece of glass. It's so rough. But in the hands of someone skilled, after they've polished it, after they've put it on, on a grinding wheel, that thing will shine. Sometimes we have to go through some things to shine. Amen. Paul said, I've learned to be condemned. In whatever situation I find myself, you know, that means he went through some situations where he had to learn. It was something he didn't start off with. He learned that he could get through some things. You know, some things don't scare me now that years ago used to scare me. You know why? I've learned that we can get through this with God's mercy and grace. And so we see repentance is the first step. I put there in Galatians 5.24, death to sin and life to obedience. When we start saying yes to obedience. When we love God, we will try and please him. You can't say you love someone and do everything to mess them up, to hurt them. That's, that's, you don't understand what love is. Love is when you are giving. Love is about giving. Lust is about taking. That's the difference. Lust is about satisfying me. Love is about satisfying you, giving. And that's one of the main differences. So repentance allows us to receive that forgiveness. And then true repentance 
leads to changes in our nature, changes in our action. So the question is, how much do we love God? You know, when I was a, a little three or four year old, and I was all by myself, I didn't, I didn't uh, have a brother or sister for, till I was eight, so I was all, I was an only child for a long time, and I wanted all the love. I was greedy. I was breastfed. I, w- I wanted all the love. <laughs> yeah, maybe T- TMI, but anyway. There must be something to that, right? They say that. Um, I wanted all of the love. So I used to ask my mom, we used to play this game, how much do you love me? And she would say, this much. I'd, and then I would say, this much, and she would say, this much, and until we had the arms wide open. Do you know... God is asking us, how much do you really love me? Again, I'm talking on steps to holiness. If you don't love God, being a Christian is going to be hard. (laughs) If you don't really believe this thing, being a Christian is going to be hard. Because you're going to need faith to get through some of the trials, some of the dissuasions, some of the battles that's going to come into our pathway. Amen. And I've said before that even though God loves us so much, his love by itself is not enough. Love has to be reciprocated for it to work. I can love my wife as much as I, you know, but if she doesn't love me back, eventually that's not going to work. In Luke 18, 18, and I, I know I've said this before, but let's study it again. We see something really amazing here. And a certain ruler, and we never know his name. When we look at some of the other disciples, we know their names. But this young man, he could have been a Peter. He could have been a John. He could have been some disciple that we would have heard of. And certainly he had some love for the truth. We can't say he didn't love altogether. But it wasn't his number one. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? Jesus wanted to see where he was coming from. Do you understand where you're going with this? A lot of people come in here and they just want to be baptized. And I have to sometimes ask him, Do you really understand what you're asking about? Do you understand what the commitment is? Or do you think it's just a rabbit's foot? A lucky charm. You know, go down in the water and then, Magically you come up and everything is roses after that. No, that's not how it works. Jesus wanted to see his motivation, to see where he was really coming from. What was his understanding? Why callest thou me good? Do you, why do you call God good? Is it because he does stuff for you? Is that why you love him? Or is that why you say you love him? Because he can give you stuff? Well now, let's be honest, that is a reason why people love to be around folk, is they can do stuff for them. But I don't know if that's really love, because the moment they stop doing stuff for them, the moment they lose the ability, then I don't know if that desire to hang around would be quite as strong. Jesus wanted to see what his mo- why are you following me? Why do you want to be, and I'm asking you tonight, why? Do you, do you love him for who he is? Do you understand what he has done for us? Do you understand how valuable to God the fact that you will say, I love you, not because you give me money, not because you give me wealth, not even because maybe you heal me, but because of who you are and who I understand you to be. Why do you call me good? Then Jesus went on, Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All these have I kept from my youth. You might go out in the street and you ask someone, Are you a Christian? And they'll probably, 80% will tell you yes. You ask them, Are you a good person? They'll say, Absolutely. I'm a good person. This man thought he was a good person. He thought his qualifications to follow Jesus was what he had done. He he was sure that he had met the qualifications for holiness just by what he had done. He said, all these have I kept from my youth. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, yet lackest thou one thing. 
Sell all that thou hast, distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Now Jesus is not against rich people. In no way is he against rich people. But he wanted to see what was it he really loved. God will test our motivation. Is Are we serving him for what? Is it like the people in the New Testament who followed him for the bread? Because he fed them out in the desert for free. You know, you can get anybody when you put out that sign. Free. <laughs> just, just slap free. I remember one year we tried to do that uh, outreach and we put free. And we had, I don't know, 300 jeans and everything. All of that stuff was gone in like about an hour. <laughs> they came for the jeans, not for the Jesus. <laughs> because we said free. Yet it costs God, amen, to love us. Yet lackest thou one thing. Sell all that thou hast and distribute to the poor. Jesus was really testing his motivation to see what he would do. When, when God tested Abraham's motivation, it wasn't even his wealth. He said, I want your son. Can you understand why God held Abraham in such a high position? Because this wasn't even wealth. He said, I want your son. I want you to take your very son. Isn't that something? Take your son and I will. That's what God is looking for. How motivated are we? I'm talking about holiness because this is the root to holiness is that we have to first really love God. Amen. And the thing is that sometimes it will cause us to have to give up some stuff. Sometimes friends. Sometimes friends. Sometimes family. Sometimes family. Sometimes finances. In this case, he didn't want to give up anything. That was too much for him. Sometimes our desires, our motivations, we're going to have to sacrifice, you know, what we want to do. You know, I know I don't want to call any names. I know some people would like to move to Florida. (laughs) Amen. And that's okay. Nothing wrong with moving somewhere nice. If it's the Lord's will, right? And in sometimes it, it, in, it's, it may be the Lord's will, amen? Sometimes our desires, amen? Since I, since I traveled in November, I've got the travel bug. You know, I've been, I've been looking at all of these nice scenic places and, the, you know, that's what my flesh is wanting to do. Man, you could be traveling here and there and having a, a good time. God is saying, how much do you love me? Is that what I called you to do? Is that what I called you to do? To, to please yourself? Sometimes our ambition. Sometimes we're going to have to give up our ambition. The disciples are having a fight and they said, we want to sit on your left and right hand. <laughs> we want to sit. You know, a lot of people want ambition with God. They want God's blessing on their ambition. But that's not how it works. Amen. The amazing thing about this story is in the other version, it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. This man could have been some great disciple, some great apostle. Because it says Jesus loved him. But what this tells us is just because God loves us is not enough. Isn't that amazing? Just because God loves us is not enough. Unless we're willing to hold on to his love. And respond. Holiness is a two-way street. Remember he said, you draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. If you don't draw near to him, he's not going to draw near to you. You know the one thing that we don't like is when we're hurt. God doesn't like it either. The Bible says that we're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. That whereby we are sealed. We can can hurt God's feelings. We can hurt God's feelings when we are not aware, do not take the sacrifice he did seriously. You know, a lot of people, and in this case, he didn't want to be told what to do. He thought he had done enough to be justified on his own works. And a lot of people, they don't think that you need to tell them anything. Don't tell me what to do. First Thessalonians 4.1 Furthermore, when we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus that he have received of us 
how he ought to walk and to please God. You know what Paul is saying? I did tell you what to do. (laughs) He said, you received it. He have received of us how we ought to walk and to please God so that he would abound more and more. In other words, Paul is saying that part of getting somewhere is you have to be teachable. As I told you before, I love great teaching. I just, I just, I will sit on and listen to that when I get across someone who, who I think is, is, is giving me some good food. Now I might go out, ooh, that, that's close. That one just skinned me right there. <laughs> Because it's good for me. Paul is saying here, he have received of us how he ought to walk and to please God. In other words, Paul had written to the Thessalonians or preached to them publicly, telling them how they could progress in holiness. So that you would abound more and more. For we know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. He's saying, I did leave some some, some things that you were to follow. Because you know, people say, well, who are you to tell me what to do? Well, I don't really like telling you what to do, but it's what the scripture tells me. I have to tell you what to do. I have to tell myself to what to do. Paul himself said, I, I buffet my own body. I, I don't want to become, lest when I preach to others, I become a castaway. For this is the will of God. It is the will of God that we have people who teach us and tell us, Wrong from right. For this is the will of God. Listen to this carefully. This is the will of God. Even your sanctification. Even the fact that we're going to be separate from some of the things that the world does. That he should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. For God hath called us... Un, called us, God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but w- what? Unto holiness. That's what we're called unto. To be holy. To be holy. To be pleasing to God. So he can have a relationship with us. Amen? That he can have a relationship with us. I, I doubt if we were to go into a, a restaurant and they put a bunch of dirty plates in front of us, we would stay. We would want something clean if we're going to eat. Amen? Sister Mary. Can you wait one moment? Can we um, maybe simplify the word holiness? Because some people, when you say holy, they think they have to reach that pinnacle of perfection with no kind of error or fault. But I was thinking that you use the word pleasing to God. If we could just, can we use that term? Like you you to can. God to still say we're to still use the word holiness as well? Yes. Um, there are several definitions in the Old Testament, but let me, let me try and, and, and get there with this. Holiness is really what pleases God, if that's a, a simple definition. It's something that is the opposite of profane. It's the opposite of common. It's the opposite of being ordinary. The Bible says you, we're supposed to be a peculiar people. A peculiar people. We are supposed to be different They're supposed to think we're strange. You know, they go to church on Tuesdays and Sundays. They spend half the day at church. They worship, they sing, they jump, they run about. That probably for the world is strange. But holiness is something that is, 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 is a, an attribute that is hard to maybe put into English words, but it is, it is holy likeness. And the likeness part is meaning like God. We were originally created, the Bible says, in his image and in his likeness or in his holiness, in other words. And so we are returning back to his likeness. Amen. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. Amen. So people will always say, don't tell me how to live. But that's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us how we ought to live, right? How we... Ought to walk and to please God. Amen. First uh, Thessalonians 4 1 says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, so he's talked about fornication, now he's talking about some other things. We instructed you how to live in order to please God. See, people don't want to be told. That young man did not want to be told, go sell all your stuff. 
Because Jesus was just testing him. Jesus was just seeing what his motivation really was. As in fact you are living, now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Let's read that again. We instructed you how to live in order to please God. Paul is saying, keep on following the instruction. Do it more and more. For we know what instructions. You see how many times that word instruction? That's why we come to Bible study. We gave you how? By the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, separated, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, here again, but to live a what? Holy life. Now he's not saying that we are never going to sin. What he's saying is that we are on a journey. You shouldn't still be in Egypt. Right? If you call yourself a Christian, you, you gotta have at least got up to the Red Sea and started to cross. Right? You shouldn't still be in Egypt. Right? And you may come up to some things that you can't deal with and at that point God will hold out the rod and the sea will part. You may then get into the desert, but you still shouldn't be in Egypt looking back. Right? Because in Genesis, I think 17, and I quote it often, God said to Abraham, walk before me. And I call you perfect, Sister Johnny. Uh, um, praise the Lord. Uh, you know, um, I've been saved now 17 years, but when I first came into the church, I think a lot of people have been misdirected or misguided as to what holiness really is because I myself also was misguided about holiness until I came to this church that I really learned that holiness was not in the way you dress. Because a lot of people think when you say Pentecostal, the first thing they think about holiness is you have to wear these certain type of clothes, and that's what they call holiness. But that's not really holiness, and I'm so glad that God did direct me to a place where I really learned truly what holiness is. Amen. Amen. Holiness is not about just your dress. We're going to, we're actually going to get to that tonight, actually. So that's going to be interesting. Holiness, we see, is the ability really to walk with God. Because God's not going to walk with you unless you are holy. Genesis 5.24, and Enoch walked with God. And the result of that being so close to God that God took him and he was not. It says in Hebrews 11.5, by faith Enoch was translated, that means taken away, that he should not see death and was not found because God had raptured him. For, for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. That's my prayer. Lord, I really want to please you. I know I can do better. I know I'm not doing good enough. I know I can pray some more. I know I can be thinking about you some more. It's so easy to get distracted. Here's, here's what Amos 3, 3 says. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Now, if you're in agreement with God, you, you've got some power. <laughs> if you're walking in agreement with God, you have some power. You see, the, the trouble is, yes, we have to be in this world. And Jesus made it plain that we can be in this world, but not of the world. In his prayer in John 17, 12, it says, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost. But the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, now I know that says that none of them is lost, but there's some conditions in there that you probably, we need to focus on. Because we know at one time, he had 72 disciples, Right? And 60 of them decided that some of the things he was saying was too hard for him, for them to accept. Okay? So the scripture here says that those that thou gavest me, if, if God has given you, uh, the ability of his grace, you're gonna to want to stay in the church. You're gonna to want to stay in the ark. 
And if you stay in the ark, the Bible tells us that no one can pluck you out of his hand. So if we will just humble ourselves and let God work on us, we can get from being profane to a state of holiness. It's not something I can suddenly say, I'm holier than you. No. Or, or it's a matter of how, many, how long I've been in the church. No. It's a matter of, of sanctification. And where my relationship, where my walk, where my walk is with God. Amen. Isn't it great? I forgot to say, Brother Derek got the Holy Ghost Sunday. Amen. 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 I knew he was going to get it too. When I was praying for him, I could feel something happening. Amen. See, God is not right now going to take us out of this world. As much as, I don't know about you, but that's what I pray. Lord, please, just take me out of here. I don't want to deal with this. This is too much. I don't really want to deal with what I'm facing this week. Amen. I really didn't want to deal with some things this week. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Again, you could, you could look at that as, as a, as a benefit of holiness is that we will be kept. Amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Let's say no evil. No evil. Amen. Hallelujah. Because if we are separated unto God, if He is our shepherd and we are His sheep, He has promised that He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. A friend of ours sent, sent both my wife and I a text uh, earlier in the week and was, you know, just saying, please pray for me. I'm in a real, I don't know what has happened. They didn't explain, but obviously they were going through something. And at the time when they sent, I was, I was going through something. I was saying, man, I don't, I, Lord, just come now. Just take us out here now. But you know, since I'm pastor, I got to say something. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, this, what came to me, what came to me, what came to me and encouraged me too. See, sometimes you have to do like David and encourage yourself. Amen. Is how Paul said that in Asia he was under such pressure and such, such a, that he despaired of life itself. The great apostle Paul. And then he, he, the way he comforted himself, he says it was even as if we died. But then he saw even the good in this. He said, this is just so that the Lord was showing that he can raise the dead. <laughs> even if I was under so much pressure that I felt hopeless as if I'd, God was just showing that it's not in our own uh, capacity that he can do this. Again, all of this is on the journey to holiness. Romans 1, 2 says, and be not conformed. Peer pressure is one of the strongest things, you know that? Um, and you can tell that in fashion. As soon as the fashion changes, you see everybody with that fashion. I saw a young man tonight, and it's a good thing no one was chasing him because he couldn't run. <laughs> I don't really have to explain that one to you. Do, do I? But he had to do one of those long walks. <laughs> he had to do one of them long walks. That looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> so, so ridiculous. <laughs> As I said, it was good no one was chasing him because there was no way he could run. At least not and keep his clothes. <laughs> Amen. Holiness is separation. Is separation. Amen. Now we're going to get into some of the things you asked about dress and I'll explain some of this. In 1 Peter 3, 3, whose adorning, let it not be that of outward adorning of plating of hair and wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. What Paul was, what Peter here was talking about were the Roman women. They used to take gold and plait their hair and it was, becomes a thing where they were trying to show how rich they were. In the context, what he was saying, he wasn't saying that you shouldn't, you know, wash your face or Put a, put a, a braid in your hair. It was, it was the overindulgence in, 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 in showing how wealthy you were and, and relying on that as being yourself. Some people need another identity. They have such poor self-image, you know. But what Paul was, Peter here was saying, have the Lord be your image. Have the Lord be your image. Wearing of gold or putting on of apparel. Now he's not just saying go around naked. That's not what he was saying. He was saying about the way they were doing and the motivation. 
And again, in 1 Corinthians 11, 7, it says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. All of this stuff in the in the New Testament about adornment and clothes, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to try and, and, and explain. It was done not so much um, for the fact of clothes make you holy. Clothes do not make you holy. Clothes by itself does not make you holy. Uh, but what he's talking about is the the extremes, and I, and I've talked about this in on um, business meetings. But since a lot of people don't come to the business meeting, I think I'll talk about it tonight. So we should honor God by how we dress when we come to His house. Like if you're going to the beach, you dress a certain way. So when you come to the house of God, you should dress a certain way, right? When we come to the church, whose attention are we trying to get? <laughs> we should be trying to get God's attention. It should be not, you know, Joe or, I'm sorry to call your name. That was the first thing that came to my mind. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the first name that they say, Joe, Harry, or Tom, right? I didn't mean you, Brother Joe, but you understand what I'm saying. It's not to get somebody's attention, the only attention we should be seeking is God's attention. We, we see an example of this in, 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 uh, with Jezebel, right? And when Je- Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. She was going to sweet him up because he knew, she knew he was coming to get her. So he, she decided to make herself look, you know, a certain way. She painted her face and t- teared her head and looked out the window. But that didn't work. <laughs> it did not work. So what we come here is to give God glory. Not to look for men's or women's praise. Now that doesn't mean you put on a sack necessarily, right? I'm not saying women you come like with, with sackcloth and ashes, right? Uh, nobody died except Jesus and he rose again. He rose again, right? So I'm not saying that you come, you know, you, but we don't come just to say, look at me. You know, just look at me. Um, the one, I shouldn't say, I'm not going to go there. I can't say it because this is streaming. So we'll say it afterwards when we cut the mic. <laughs> so we're, we're here not to get attention from men or women, right? Now I'll say this, brother, brother Jordan has been sending me pictures. I'm sorry, brother John, put you on blast tonight. He's been sending me pictures and threatening to, to buy me some clothes. <laughs> And I said, Brother Jordan, I can't, I can't, that's not my style. Let's just go there. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It's, uh, uh, I have a picture and I will, I will present it again at the business meeting and those of you who've seen it, you'll understand. Amen. So now we're talking about holiness and Paul said he had the, the right, the authority based upon Jesus Christ to tell them some things. And so I wanna, I wanna put three categories of teaching here. There's doctrine which is unchangeable. Pastor has no um, ability to change doctrine if you don't like it. I can't say you, you don't have to be baptized in Jesus' name. I can't say that. Repentance, water baptism, and speaking and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, that is just it. Jesus said, except you are born of the water and the Spirit, you cannot enter, and he says it again, you cannot see. That's not something I can change. That is fundamental core doctrine. That's a teaching that's not going to change no matter what culture you go. If you go to China, if you go to Fiji, now the clothes that people wear will change. That's the point. Clothes can change. I remember in my previous church, um, and I may have said this before, they, 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 they were sponsoring several missionaries, and they would have all the pictures of the missionaries on their board. Many, many churches do that. And so they had a, a Bible school graduation um, from the island of Fiji. And they had a picture of all of the graduates, all of the men, ministerial graduates. And all of them had on grass skirts. <laughs> that was their culture. That was their culture. To them it was fine, and it is fine. Jesus uh, wore long, you've seen the pictures of what they wore in Jesus' time. So that is a cultural uh, thing. That's not a, uh, a, a salvation thing. So now there are traditions and culture, and some are good, and some are bad. 
And the difference, how we, how, we, and I've said this before, how we differentiate when we're talking about traditions is, do they help my witness? Or do they hurt my witness? And that's how, as pastor, I try and, 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 and draw a line. Does what you're doing, is that going to help your witness? Are you going to be more effective reaching people? Or, or is that going to hurt your witness? And at this point is when I would put out that picture that I photoshopped of me with the purple spiked hair and the bling and the chains. and it pro- Nothing wrong with that, but you probably wouldn't be listening to me. <laughs> you probably wouldn't listen to me with that picture. Because we're talking about things that can... So if I love God, it's not that something is sinful, but am I effective? Can I reach people with that? Right? Can I reach people? Or are they going to be looking at what I'm wearing or looking at something else? Am I distracting from my witness? So those that minister to the salvation of people who are weaker in faith so that our witness may be justified before men. And I'm going to go into a little bit of detail. When, that my witness is effective. For example, when Jesus came, he dressed like the servants. So the, the, the Pharisees and, 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 and Sadducees were looking for him to look like them. So I guess in the ministry, in the ministry, it's, it's, it's who, who, you, who you want your audience to be is what you're saying, right? I'm saying yes in, in, in a, to some respect. Obviously, that doesn't mean that if you go to some island and you dress naked, no. <laughs> but I understand what you're saying. Your, your witness has to be effective. For instance, in some cultures, if a man doesn't have a beard... They wouldn't talk to you because they would think you were effeminate, mm-hmm. right? And uh, there have been missionaries that, that go certain places. They have to dress a certain way for their ministry to be effective. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to show you this in a little bit more detail. So there are categories of teaching. There's doctrine, which is not changeable. There's traditions and cultures, and we all have that. And some are good. And some are bad. How do we decide which culture we should keep? Not that it's necessarily sin, but again, does it help me in my outreach or does it hurt my outreach? And then there are just guidelines that each church, each individual church may teach. Like we start at 10 o'clock. There's nothing special about 10 o'clock, but we have to have some agreed upon time. We can't all just come 10, 30, 11, 12. We have to have an agreement. So there are guidelines for churches, right? We say no food in here. Now some other church, if this was all, you know, uh, steel, maybe they wouldn't care if people spill drinks in here. Wouldn't, wouldn't matter. In fact, in the early church, they, they, they're, they're, they had a meal at the service. So those things are not holiness. That's what I'm trying to say. Those things are not holiness. They're just different categories of things that are necessary in the culture that we are. But Again, it does matter what other people think. People say, God sees my heart. Yes, he does, but I don't. <laughs> That's the problem. God does see your heart. Let's look at this. First Timothy 3, 7. This is Paul to Timothy telling him that the people he appoints must have a good report. They've got to, so it does matter what the outside think about you and how they view you. If they hear I'm a pastor, they're going to have immediately certain expectations about who I am and what I do. Sister, we're having some good questions tonight. It's actually a comment. Um, Sometimes it's also a conviction because sometimes God will tell you literally, I don't want you in that. Right. And sometimes it's a matter of obedience and some people in some cultures, they cannot do certain things because of that culture, and maybe it's a temptation. Right. So, you know. Um, absolutely. It it's, goes back down to obedience to God. Absolutely. You know, what, what is God saying to you? So, absolutely. God deals with us, uh, and it's a good point she raised, because I want to make this point. God deals with us on an individual basis. There may be some things that don't bother me, that if you did it, would get you in trouble. There may be some things that you do that don't bother you and are not a sin, but if I did it, get me in trouble. And so it's just like your children, right? You deal with them on an individual basis. You can't, you can't, uh, uh, a lot of times they have different personalities. And that's why, here's the big reveal, that's why there's different churches with different 
pastors with different cultures. But the Bible says one spirit. One spirit. So it does matter what other people think as far as our witness. Because the Bible says he must have a good report with outsiders. Isn't that what it says? With outsiders. So we can't say it doesn't matter. Um, God sees my heart. I can do anything. God knows my relationship with him. That's fine if that's all you're going to do is save yourself. But if you expect to save other people, then you do have to mind what's going on outside. So the traditions, the outward works, the clothing and all of that, justify us before men because there is an expectation of what a pastor looks like, right? There is an expectation. Now, it's not a sin if I was to dress in a bag and go out there in a sack, but my witness might be a little bit hurt. But justification before God is just faith. So you see, in James, when he says, I need to see your works, he's speaking before men. In Romans, when Paul says we are justified by faith, he's talking before God. So there are two different justifications there. If I'm going to be a witness, then I need to be effective before men. And my behavior and my presentation has got to work. They're going to have an expectation. But before God, God sees you naked. He doesn't care what you wear. He is looking at your heart. But me as an outsider, I can only see your actions. I can only see what you do. Amen. So that is the, that is the, the breakdown and the difference. One is before men and one is before God. Sister, sister, sorry brother, you're gonna be jumping up and down. Hold on, he's coming over there. Praise the Lord everyone. I don't know if you ever heard of the missionary, um, Amy Carmichael. I think she's from England. She was a China, um, China missionary. And she was very classy. She wore her hats, her gloves, she looked the part. She was a rich woman, and she was so in love with God, and she was trying to witness to people. But the, the point was is that she wasn't winning anyone because people was asking her about her shoes. They was asking her, where did you get that hat from? So she said it was a strong conviction in her to tell her, no, she has to change the way she looked so she can win the people that God is sending to her. So I do believe it, it, your outer appearance does make a difference. And true enough, it's not about our clothes. But I have a strong conviction for what God told me to do. It might not be for someone else. Absolutely. Like he told me not to wear earrings. And I never had diamond earrings before. And so right when I received the Holy Ghost, guess what? It was a test. I was in the store. And <laughs> when I was, I was um, in Zales. And I know I'm not crazy. Now, I saw these earrings while they were in at the time. I saw the earrings, and it said $657. The Lord God Almighty looked down on me now. I saw the It said $6.57. So it was a test. So I said, you know what? And sure enough, I had $7 in cash in my pocket. A sister got the earrings, Okay. I was so excited about it. I get home, and I'm telling my daughters, guess what God gave me some diamond earrings? It was two carats. Come on. Two carat earrings for $6.57. As I'm sitting there, and one thing with diamond earrings, there's a certain way you do them. You click them so you won't lose them. I'm putting them in my ear. As soon as I put the diamond earring in my ear, made one click, my daughter, Anaja, said, Mommy, she was screaming. She said, you were bleeding. Right here, this is where I was bleeding. The blood was running down my hand. No other blood. Why did I hear him say, why are you piercing me? You didn't have to tell me twice. I never put another earring in my ear. So it is based upon what God says. It's not our opinion. In Jesus Amen. Name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to try and see if I can finish uh, tonight, but we'll we'll do our best. So let me give you a scripture. It says, let your light shine before men. Right? So how is our light going to shine unless to them it is a light? So God uses different people. He sent Peter to the Jews. He sent Paul to the Gentiles. He uses where we came from and our background to in the most effective way. Um, some people will be more effective ministering to other people than me. You know, uh, that, that would be not my, my gift. Let's read on. It says, 
Faith, then, is a sincere heart that justifies us before God. Again, I'm showing the two different things that, that constitute on our way to holiness. It's not just about pure faith to God because that doesn't allow us to do any, any work. Look at Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified, and I put in brackets, before God by the works of the law. But by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we who have believed in Jesus Christ, that we may be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, but by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. He's talking here before God. And that's the confusion. He's talking before God. But before men, that's the only way they're going to know me is by my works. And that's what James is trying to say. So that's why, and I'm jumping ahead, in 1 Corinthians 12, 5, he says, there are differences of administration. Because all of us need one-on-one care. All of us need one-on-one care. A good parent knows how to treat their different children differently. Right? Because they're not all the same. And so I used to not understand this when I was, uh, say about 20 years ago, I was talking to someone and they go to a church where the pastor is extremely strict. You can only wear a white shirt on the pulpit and, and, and no wedding rings and whole, whole st- all kinds of regulations and rules. And I didn't understand this. I said, you know, how come you're going to this church? And he told me, that's what I need. If he went to a different church, he may not be in church. Some people, that's what they need. Some children, you have to get on their case every day. Other children, you say one thing to them, you don't have to touch them, and they'll break out in tears. You understand? So God treats us differently. That's why in 1 Corinthians twelve five that there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. So as long as this, the, what is being being taught is not a change of doctrine, don't criticize it. So I don't criticize other churches and what they teach. See, and, and the reason why we're at different levels is it's really a matter of what we believe. I didn't put this in here, but I want to read this scripture. Someone could find it for me and read this. It's Romans 14, verse 22, as Sister jo- Joanne was speaking. Romans 14.22. You won't be able to put it on the board. You won't be able to put it on the board. If um, anyone finds that, I don't want to read it. I want someone else to read it. Romans 14.22. Read it real loud. Okay, okay. So I told you that what we can do and not do that is not sin depends on what we believe. Read He that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. Listen to what the scripture is saying. It's saying, happy is that person who is not condemned, in other words, by the things that he allows himself to do. Some people may be condemned by it, and then it becomes a sin. But if it's not a sin, but it was just a conviction, it's still a sin because you're condemned by it. So it says, blessed or happy is the man who is not condemned by the thing he allows. So let's say I play chess. You know, some church may say, we don't allow chess. You know, it's not a sin, but that's their, what they feel. And maybe for someone who, that they had made chess their God, it would have been a sin for that person because then they would stop coming to church. They'd go to chess tournament, tournaments. You understand? And that's why God gave us pastors. And shepherds so that they would understand our particular need. And be able to minister to that need. And that's why it says that God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. The fact that I allow something doesn't make me better than you. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Amen. So I didn't really get through a good portion of this, but what I'm trying to show you that this is a journey. And when we start out by consecration and then we go to sanctification, then we're on the journey to holiness, being back into the image of God. That's what holiness is about. It's to be like God on our journey to God. It says Corinthians 8.4, as concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto the idols. Again, he's showing again that some people are condemned by that. If they see you eating something that they knew had been coming from the temple. 
And Paul was explaining, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. But though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, he's saying, just because uh, someone else looks at that and is condemned by it, then don't let your um, faith, let that person stumble. That's what he's saying. So there may be things that I teach that I don't teach to everybody. This is not universal to every church. It's just what my understanding is. But if I know that that person is, is, is bothered by that, I don't, I don't put it in front of their face. I'm not being a hypocrite. I'm just following scripture to be, to be considerate of my brother, right? But to us, there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. How be it, he's explaining, there is not in every man that knowledge. Some people were raised a certain way, and they were told a certain thing. This is not something new. In the early church, can you imagine how difficult it was for the Jews to accept the end of the law? All their life they had been told, you got to do this, you can only do this on a Saturday, you got to do all these sacrifices. Here comes freedom. Here comes grace. No, you don't have to do that. That's why there was such a big contention in the book of Acts in the first church council that they had to have a big church council to decide what to teach the Gentiles. Because even though they were in the church, the the vast majority were still following the law. They didn't understand that that God had come to free them from the law. And that was what Romans and Galatians is all about. So God is telling us that even if we know better, we mustn't let our knowledge be a stumbling block in this journey to holiness. But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee which has knowledge sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? That's what I was saying. Somebody could be uh, able to do something, doesn't bother them, it's not a sin. But because I came from a certain life or style, if I do that stuff, it may lead me into big trouble. It may lead me into big trouble. So... We can't condemn someone who doesn't necessarily um, have our understanding of the liberty in Christ. And we have to be considerate of them on our journey to holiness. We can't be pointing figures and says, I'm holier than thou. I'm holier than thou. Some need more mud to see. Some need more mud to see. But, but in the end, it's Jesus that does the healing. It's Jesus that opens the eyes. We have the story of the man who, who is quite amazing when you think about it because for many miracles he just had to speak. But this man was so bound up by what he thought things had to be for him to get his healing. You know, we put a, a boundary on what God can do. He felt something had to physically be done before he could get his healing. And in fact, if you read the story, Jesus had to take him out of the town. He couldn't heal him and they had to take him by himself, lead him out of the town and get him by himself. And even though God was in front of him, which Jesus is God, and he put mud on his eyes, the first thing he said, I see men walking as he still couldn't see clearly. He had a conception of how God was going to deliver him. And Jesus had to repeat it before finally he got delivered. Some people can believe with almost nothing. I give my wife that. She can believe with almost nothing. Me, I need the mud. <laughs> but God is merciful. He heals those who have great faith. And he puts the mud on those who need some more faith. Amen. 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 All right. Well, we'll have to, if you could all stand with me, because we still got a ways to go. And I, I'm not going to, uh, I try and keep it to, to one hour. Uh, we will continue this the next time on accountability. You know, we talk about grace. So where do, when does grace apply? Can I do anything I want and just pray and ask God for forgiveness and that's grace? Well, the key, and I'll just give you this, this you know, that like they do the commercials of the upcoming features. It depends upon our intent. Do we know what we are doing? Jesus said from the cross, Father, forgive them. 
Why did those soldiers get grace? Because they didn't realize, even though they were crucifying him, they really didn't understand what they were doing. Amen. We're going to look at that on, on holiness and how that applies. Because it's really through grace that we're going to get through this. Amen. It's through the grace of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, this is a little bit different Bible study. I love the participation. Amen. And we want to, we have a great turnout tonight. This is almost like Sunday. Amen. Amen. And so we're going to close. We will be having a prayer, corporate prayer at 730 on Thursday. So those of you who can make it, come on out. Let's really pray. Let's talk to God. And let's have God move in our lives. Amen. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you tonight for your greatness and your love and for your favor. Lord, I pray the anointing, O God, that moves us, O God, through consecration and sanctification. Lord, that we can be in your image and in your likeness, O God. That you can cover us with your Holy Spirit. We thank you tonight, O God, for what you're doing. Lead and protect us this week. Lord, be in our workplace. Be in our schools, Lord God. Give us a joy, hallelujah, and a peace. Peace that passes human understanding. Lord, deliver us, I pray. Oh God, work in our lives to the fullness of your will. We thank you and we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's give God a praise offering.